Fantasy Radio's Entertainment Corridor, by events, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Now here's why. I was watching porn with the sound on the other day, and it must have been years since I've heard porn. Oh, it's nightmarish. First of all, I have to be honest with you and tell you that I like MILF stuff, but only because I'm almost 44 and it's reasonable for me to be attracted to women more my age. But with the sound on, all I hear is stuff like, ooh, you like it when your mommy fucks you? And This is so disturbing, friggin' Game of Thrones. Also, I was watching a BJ as well, and the sounds that result from that activity are also nightmarish. <laughs> Gagging and gasping? I find all those noises unsexy. Call me weird if you want, but I am not into BJs. The sounds alone are enough to turn me off. So ladies, if you never want to go down on a man again, I am the guy for you. Those, those noises are just far too unpleasant and even demeaning. I don't care how good a, bl- a blowjob feels. Do blowjobs feel good? Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. <laughs> I'm your host, The Madman. And I just want to let you know, uh, Parlor's back up and running. So I got my uh, Parlor seems to be up, uh, up and running and all the bugs are worked out. So I'm back up posting on there. So glad that's back up. I just get it's so much more response than I do on other social media. And so, I mean, it's, it's good to have a place uh, for <laughs> conservative voices in, in many ways. Or just, you know, the idea of free speech being on the internet, again, in some way. And that it, in, in some way it always will be. And so I think that that's a good thing. But so, uh, yeah, search for Shock Monkey Radio on Parlor. We're back up on there. Um, you may know that I work frequently with comedian Scott Wharton. He was over in Austin uh, last week, and so he's on the new episode of Kill Tony, episode 494. Go check him out. Watch him. Comment on there on that video. Tell him he's the best comedian that was up there because uh, he's a friend and part of the FXBG uh, public radio family. So go show your love for comedian Scott Wharton on Kill Tony, episode 494. Uh, I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would really appreciate it. Or if you don't want to become a patron, you can always send me money through Cash App to the cash tag shockmonkeyradio over this shoulder right there. <laughs> I'm going to move the other way. All right. Cash tag shockmonkeyradio. I would appreciate it because, you know, it's, uh, it's like that bit from, um, what's that dude's name that, that recently had the drug... <sighs> Had to go to rehab. What was his name? Huh? John Mulaney. John Mulaney has a bit uh, where he's talking about his college. His college has sent him a letter saying, uh, <laughs> we want a gift, but only if it's money. <laughs> That's what I need. I need to send you all a letter saying, we want a gift, but only if it's money. <laughs> and so uh, you could use the cash tag Radio or become a patron over patreon.com. Slash Shock Monkey Radio. If you don't know, know John Mulaney, it's like, you're missing out. You're missing out. And if you don't watch comedy, it's like, what's wrong with you? How do you, how do you get through life without those, those laughs? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't think I'd still be here if comedy didn't, didn't exist. All right. <laughs> righty. So, I was uh, looking around on Netflix the other day, and I saw this thing called uh, Two-Sentence uh, two Horror Stories. Have you heard of this, E.K.? Two sentence horror stories, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think Netflix had a show like two sentence horror stories, and I thought it was like this is a stupid, stupid idea. 
And so I was just sitting there thinking about it. So I, I figured, hey, uh, why not two-sentence sitcoms? And so uh, here's a couple of two-sentence sitcoms that I wrote. While Jerry is on a comedy tour, Elaine is house-sitting for him and discovers a box full of porn magazines. Privately, she tells both George and Kramer about this discovery, and they both, in an attempt to cover for Jerry, claim that it belongs to them, and yet they can both accurately describe the contents of the box right down to the Marilyn Monroe issue with the torn cover and the old, crusty sock. Two-sentence sitcom, right there. You want another one? Okay, two examples is good. Ross deals with the social media blowback from him belching as a guest on a paleontology podcast as Joey and Chandler work on a scheme to sell COVID masks to, uh, with the bottom half of Dr. Richard Burke's, Burke's face printed upon it. Monica and Rachel discover this scheme and try to stop them, but they start to see the masks on men in the city and realize that it makes them all more attractive, while Phoebe discovers the joys of GarageBand software, but now becomes a recluse. Two-sentence sitcom, right there. But the, the fact of the matter is that they, these read like TV guide listings, all right? And two examples is enough. And I just think it's a bad idea for, to base a series upon a creepy pasta subreddit, okay? I, I know it's not fair to do like uh, two-sentence sitcoms because the fact that I mentioned George, uh, Jerry, George, Elaine, Kramer, it's like I'm, I'm already setting up the scene for you, you know, boom, in your mind already, you, boom, you got the... You know, Jerry's apartment, and you know the characters, and you know their backgrounds and the history. I'm kind of, kind of cheating in that regard. The same is true with the Friends reference. Anyway, didn't write a whole lot for you this week, so it won't be long before we get into the news worth knowing. So, uh, do you think Obi-Wan was always creeping around the Lars moisture farm on Tatooine as Luke was growing up? I mean, his job was to keep an eye on Luke, and although I guess he could have used the Force to monitor Luke, Perhaps old creepy Ben had to peer in through some windows on the farm from time to time. Maybe Owen had some hired hands when Luke was young, and they caught the old, old Ben a couple times lurking around the farm like a peeping Tom. Get out of here, you creepy old man! And they go and tell Owen about the stalker, and they're trying to describe the creeper. Uh, he looks like Ewan McGregor. No, 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 no. He looks like Sir Alec Guinness. How come that never, never happens in movies? How come never, no one ever says, hey, who's that guy that looks like Tom Cruise? And they say, oh, that's just Ethan Hunt. How come that never happened? Anyway, granted, <coughs> granted, Owen and Beru knew that old Ben would come sniffing around from time to time so they would not be too alarmed by his presence. But if they had some workers around the farm who were not in the loop concerning Luke's lineage, they would be quite alarmed by some old guy in a robe peering into windows. Another thing, Obi-Wan said that he doesn't ever remember owning a droid. I suppose that is because Jedi are like monks, and they live in poverty or something, especially a Jedi in exile. And if droids were something that you could buy, don't you think that they would fetch, uh, don't you think that they would be pretty expensive? So let me ask you, which droid do you think would fetch a higher price, C-3PO or R2-D2? I think the answer is obvious. But what would, the, what would be the price of C-3PO in comparison to other protocol droids? I am surprised that the Jawas did not hang a sign around C-3PO's neck that said deal of the day or price to move. Who would want that annoying droid? <laughs> yeah, we're moving right along. We're going to get, this is going to be a super short show this week. Anyway, so I watched Ozark. Spoiler, spoiler warning. I watched Ozark. 
Uh, I've watched the, the three seasons that were on Netflix, and it was based upon the recommendations of friends and so forth. And yeah, you were right. I did enjoy it. However, congratulations, Ozark. You made me hate Laura Linney even more. Side note, who do you think is hotter, Laura Linney or Laura Dern? That's a tough one. That's boggling my mind for years. Anyway, I've known for years that Laura Linney is a crazy liberal. But she's so damn easy on the eyes that I tend to forget that fact. Speaking of which, at first I would, I would cringe as Wendy touted her history with Obama in Chicago and her obvious loyalties to the left. So, so, I would have to, so I'd have to remind myself constantly that these characters are criminals and criminals are Democrats and vice versa. Additionally, Wendy is fucking insane. Marty begins the series begging for his life and barely escapes with conditions, and at first Wendy is on board with the running scared motif and until she starts seeing fat stacks of cash and starts assuming it's hers. And then she starts to be very reckless with it. Not that she's more reckless with it than Marty. After all, this has to be the worst money laundering operation ever. <laughs> okay, I understand that drug lords expect to lose, have some loss of their funds through laundering, but... But holy cow, it's ironic that she would recognize the danger in her brother's behavior, yet not her own. Speaking of her douchebag brother, Ben, I didn't mind him at all until he started flirting with Ruth. And from that point on, I could not wait for him to get killed. I had hoped that both he and his sister would get whacked, but you can't have it all. See, Ruth is super hot. Not only is she gorgeous, but she's intelligent, capable, and tough all fine qualities to be within a fine woman. But Ben is a loser, and I'll never understand why Ruthie went for him. When it comes to Michael, I mean Marty, whenever he's on screen, I keep expecting Will Arnett to pop around the corner any second going, Michael, it's Magic Michael. <laughs> you know, maybe it's my fault for watching Arrested Development too many times. Anyway, uh, Jason Bateman is a fine actor, don't get me wrong but I think he needs to work on varying his body language. The way he stands, the way he walks, his hand gestures all remind me of Michael Bluth. He's always putting his hands in his pockets as he's talking. What do you got in those pockets, Michael? Peanuts? You have peanuts in those pockets in your pockets, Michael? <laughs> oh, Tobias, you liberal fucktard. Anyway, um, but the, uh, that's my only criticism of his acting. But in many ways, it's kind of a big one. Uh, Jonah is kind of an issue as a character. Um, that kid is in desperate need of guidance from his father. So if Marty is too busy keeping his family from getting killed to be a father to his son, the only thing that I could recommend for Jonah is ROTC until he is old enough to join the military. That kid needs something like that to harness his masculine energy and steer his life in the proper direction before he turns into a hitman or a serial killer. And Charlotte may very well be pregnant before the end of season four, if you ask me. One more char character I want to talk about is um, one more character I want to talk about is Helen, the lawyer. Um, and so here's my question. Since when does powerful woman equal bitch? All right. And her bitchy influence rubbed off on Wendy. Ruth isn't a bitch. She's powerful. She may talk like a bitch, but she's not actually a bitch. I will never understand why so many women cannot understand the nuance of something like that. And if you can't understand why Ruth is sexy and why Helen and Wendy are bitches, I don't know if I could ever explain it to you. Anyway, this series is excellent, and I look forward to seeing more. Every episode 
left me hungry for more, and the season finales were top-notch. Ozark, 11 of 13 stars. I almost came when Navarro shot Helen in the head. Anyway, like I said, short show today. Let's get right into the news worth knowing. I'm going to wet my whistle here. Mm. Behind. Behind the stinger. <laughs> UK's over here watching my water bottle. Watching my water intake. Okay, so six Dr. Seuss books to stop being published because of racist imagery. The sales of six Dr. Seuss books will cease over racist and insensitive imagery according to the business that preserves and protects the author's legacy. Jeez. The news comes Tuesday as uh, National Read Across America Day when schools across the U.S. celebrate uh, reading on Dr. Seuss's uh, March 2nd birthday to commemorate the popular children's author who died in 1991. Quote, these books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong, Dr. Seuss Enterprises had told the Associated Press in a statement. Quote, ceasing sales of these books is the only part of our commitment, is only part of our commitment and our broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss Enterprises catalog represents and supports all communities and families. The statement continued. Copies of And to Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street if I Ran the Zoo, McElegant's Pool, and on, on Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzler will no longer be published. Huh? Yeah, they're, I, I think they're not the important ones. Um, <clears throat> the decision to cease publication and the sales of the books was made last year after months of discussion, the company told the AP. Quote, Dr. Seuss Enterprises listened and took feedback from our audience's including teachers, academics, and specialists in the field as part of our review process. Those are the wrong people I asked, bro. <clears throat> uh, we then worked with a panel of experts, including educators, to review the catalog of titles. Oh, there it is now. It's a bunch of teachers saying, that's racist. Anyway, the Virginia school system uh, recently decided to discourage the recognition of National Read Across America Day in light of the controversy, prompting discussion of the author and decisions to cancel his work on social media. The school system clarified in a February 22nd, uh, 27th statement that it is not banning the author's books. Books by Dr. Seuss, born Theodore Struess Geisel in uh, Seuss Geisel in Springfield, Massachusetts, on March 2nd, 1904, are sold in more than 100 countries. The How the Grinch Stole Christmas author uh, remains popular, earning an estimated $33 million uh, before taxes in 2020. Jeez Louise. Up from $9.5 million five years ago, the company said. That's called inflation. Um, Forbes listed him number two in the highest-paid dubbed celebrities of 2020, uh, behind only the late pop star Ma Michael Jackson. As adored as, as Dr. Seuss is by millions around the world for the positive values in many of his works, including environmentalism and tolerance, there's been increasing criticism in the recent years on the, over the way black, Asian, and other characters are drawn in some of his most beloved children's books, as well as his er earlier advertising and propaganda illustrations. The National Education Association, which founded Read Across America the day, day in 1998 and deliberately aligned it with Geisel's birthday, uh, has for several years de-emphasized Seuss and encouraged a more diverse reading list for children. All right, you ever read Star, Star Belly Sneetches? Because uh, I, th I think you missed the lesson of Star Belly Sneetches. All right, we're all the same. It doesn't matter what the art. I mean, if you you can't stop racism by stopping the what you think is racist. 
I'm going to be talking about pareidolia later. It's like if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. That's why Jesus said, seek and ye shall find. If what you're looking for, if you're going to find it. If you're looking for racism, you're going to find it. If you're looking for a swastika on the stage, you're going to find it. All right? You're not going to fix racism by digital uh, book burnings. All right? It just irritates me. It's like you, there are valuable lessons to be learned from Dr. Seuss books. And I know the Lorax, and my favorites, Lorax and Starbelly Sneetches, are not in there, are not, be, are not the ones being banned. But the point is, is that somebody had to, went, went through all of those books, all of Dr. Seuss's books, looking for something to be racist. If you're, if you're so obsessed, uh, upset about those four or five titles, why don't you just get another artist to redraw it? But I, I know if you do that, you're going to be sitting there over their shoulders saying, we've got to make sure we have a transgender person in there. We've got to make sure we've got a lesbian. We've got to make sure we've got a black person, a brown person. And it's that kind of, if you're constantly thinking about race in that regard, that makes you the racist. Don't you understand that? Don't you understand that? It's your obsession with race? Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> Let's talk about a happier subject, like people dying in Chicago. Still. Chicago weekend of violence, 30 shot, including four teens, 11-year-old girl who was un an unintended target, sources say. 30 people were shot, including five people between the ages of 11 and 16, and eight were murdered in Chicago over the course of the holiday weekend, police said. Chicago Police Department reported 27 shootings throughout the Windy City from 6 p.m. Friday to 11.59 Monday, when 30 people were struck by bullet bullets, according to the statistics released this morning. Victims of the extended weekend's violence include a 16-year-old boy who was visiting a friend at the Chicago Lawn Area apartment around 8.45 p.m. Friday when, quote, two Hispanic males started a verbal dispute and began punching the victim, police said. The, the teen left the apartment and ran down the street, as, but the pair chased after him, shooting him multiple times, police said. The victim was rushed to an area hospital but could not be saved. Both suspects were questioned later, though charges have not been announced. A uh, police source said the man and his attackers were known to police. Four other kids, ages 11, 15, 16, and 16, were also shot in four separate incidents but survived, police said. The youngest of, a, of the victims, an 11-year-old girl, uh, was sitting in the backseat of a car parked at, a pump, at the pump of the Calumet gas station around 10, 10.45 p.m. Uh, this was Monday when she was struck in the face, police said. Ooh, God. Her whole life has changed. Anyway. Investigators believe she, she was unintended target of shooting, of a shooting at the same station. <sighs> Sources said she was taken to an area hospital and is expected to survive. Police said that at, at the time that the preteen shooting of a 19-year-old man walk, was walking out of the gas station when someone opened fire and struck him in the groin, prompting him to return gunfire. Their attacker is still on the loose. And that's the end of this article. And I just have to say, it's like this. You know, you Democrats need to do something about this. You know, you run these metropolitan centers like this, and Chicago has been bad for a while, <laughs> since like the 20s. <laughs> since Prohibition, it's been a real shithole. All right? And because it's been run by Democrats for all these years, you know, this is what happens with Democrats-run cities. You know, these are Americans dying. This, these are American children being shot in the face. All right? She'll survive, but her entire life is going to be different because of it. Being shot in the face. Now, I don't, if you have one job as a politician, 
is to make is ensure the safety of your constituency. Ensure the safety of the people living in your city. You know, I don't care if you have to get the National Guard down there. You need law and order in Chicago. These are Americans that are getting shot. But no, no, that's not what you're talking about. Spent four years whining about Trump not doing stuff as people are dying in Chicago for four years. Useless politicians. Anyway, let's go on to the next story. Rosanna Arquette, Alyssa Milano, slam the Hyatt in CPAC aftermath. <laughs> Rosanna Arquette and Alyssa Milano. You know, here's the thing about Rosanna, Rosanna Arquette. I never got it. Apparently, like, isn't it like the Toto song uh, Rosanna, about Rosanna Arquette? I don't get it. She, is, isn't In Your Eyes another song about Rosanna Arquette? I don't get it. What? I don't get Rosanna Arquette is not an attractive person. I don't get it. Someone explain to me why Rosanna Arquette, anyone thinks Rosanna Arquette is attractive. Alyssa Milano is another matter, though. <laughs> anyway, Rosanna Arquette and Alyssa Milano shared similar rebukes of the 2021 CPAC event and Hyatt, the hotel chain that hosted it, amid a wave of controversy over the design of the stage. Both actresses pushed a conspiracy theory in claiming that the CPAC stage design resembled a heat symbol known as the Norse rune, which was also featured on Nazi uniforms. Arquette, 61, vilified Hyatt and predicted, and predicted uh, future boycotts are coming from the hotel chain. Let me do something real quick. Sorry to pause the story. Rosanna Arquette. <laughs> I want to look at her at 61. Yeah, still. Still, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, Alyssa Milano still looks good. Um, but anyway, Arquette, 61, vilified Hyatt and predicted near-future boycotts are coming for the hotel chain. Uh, quote, hey, Hyatt Hotels, highly offensive does not mean uh, hosting people who are not highly inclusive. Hosting a fascist Nazi convention is the antithesis of inclusiveness. You have uh, made a grave error in judgment. The imminent boycotts are, you're going to feel for years to come, Arquette wrote in a tweet. Left-wing activist Milano, 48, shared a comparison photo of the CPAC stage below a Nazi uniform. This is the stage CPAC. They're... This is all caps now. They are not even trying to hide it anymore. At Hyatt, <laughs> this is what's happening to your building. At Ted Cruz, you stood on this stage, Milano wrote on Instagram. The three-day event, uh, uh, of which Fox Nation, Fox Nation is a sponsor, was held at the Hyatt Regency in Orlando, uh, Florida, uh, featuring a slew of prominent Republican speakers from lawmakers and former administration officials to President Donald Trump. Last week, the hashtag, hash, the hashtag boycott <laughs> Hyatt uh, began spreading on social media after users learned that Hyatt would host the conservative event, which some people alleged the company was endorsing by allowing it to happen on one of its properties. At the time, a spokesperson for the Hyatt told Fox Business in an emailed statement that its primary goal is to provide a safe and inclusive environment for its colleagues, guests, and customers. Uh, when, the, when critics began pushing the Nazi conspiracy theory on social media, Hyatt said in one statement that the American Conservative Union would host, hosts and manages the event manages all aspects of the event logistics, including stage design and aesthetics. Quote, we, dis we discussed directly with ACU leadership who told us that any resemblance to a, uh, a symbol of hate is unintentional. The statement continued. On Monday, uh, representatives from the American Conservative Union had choice words for Hyatt Hotel's leadership after the hotel chain uh, claimed the ACU had, quote, disparaged and defamed it. <laughs> Excuse me. Matt Schlapp. Oh, poor bastard. That's your name? Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, 
told Fox News that the political group intends to stand up for itself and says the Hyatt Hotels buckled to the lies of the cancel culturists on the left amid controversy. Schlapp said that because CPAC is such an effective platform, he expected critics from the other side of the aisle to target the event and attempt to cancel us. But the American Conservative Union did not expect to, expect to be fending off what it perceives as attacks from a, uh, the company that it worked with to host the event. Quote, contrary to Hyatt's own mission uh, statement of inclus inclusivity, your company just attacked its own customer by caving into the pressures of the politically motivated social media agitators who seek to destroy CPAC. Our attendees and speakers are from across the country and the millions of Americans who uh, support our work. David Safavian, Safavian, <laughs> sorry, General Counsel for the American Conservative Union said in a statement. Uh, in another statement, the group said it had recognized the potential hate symbolism it could have, uh, would have proactively addressed it. Had it recognized the potential uh, hate symbolism, it would have active, uh, proactively addressed it. However, it said it allowed the event to continue after CPAC organizers assured them that any re uh, resemblance was entirely unintentional. Schlapp, who refers to the accusations as absurd, said the event's organizers have been working with Hyatt on a coordinated public relations response as, but claims the company waited until CPAC was over to break their understanding and to disparage us as a way to try to curry favor with the cancel culturists of the left. Quote, we are going to stand up for our honor and our character, and it's just, just absurd to accuse this conference and our organization of being anti-Semitic when we had the U.S. ambassador uh, to Israel speak on that stage, Schlapp said, adding that there were also standing room only Jew Jewish religious services in that hotel help, that the hotel helped facilitate. Stefavian's letter said that the conservative group collaborated with Hyatt Hotels and subcontract subcontractors throughout the planning process, including on stage design noting that no one from the company raised any concerns at the time. Yeah, so like I said, this is pareidolia, Rosanna Arquette and Alyssa Milano. All right? You're looking. The only reason you're watching CPAC is so you can find something evil there. That's the only reason Rosanna Arquette and Alyssa Milano are watching CPAC. Do you think they're interested in what conservatives have to say? Or are they, or are they watching it, trying to find something to hate on? Hate watching, as they say. You Seek and you shall find. All right. And this whole idea of like cancel a culture is like people are assholes. You're assholes. All right. You can't deal with the fact that somebody else, somebody else out there has a different opinion than you. Oh, I was on a sitcom in the 80s. Fucked a rich producer. Now I'm rich and I have nothing to do all day than the hate watch CPAC. Anyway. Rosanna Arquette. I don't get it. Why? Who, who thinks she's attractive? All right. Let's go on to the next story. Because uh, this kind of combines two stories in one. Uh, Chris Cuomo blasted after telling CNN viewers that he can't cover his, uh, his, brother's, his brother Andrew's harassment scandal. Of course not. Why? Uh, CNN, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo faces, uh, faced intense backlash Monday after telling Cuomo primetime viewers, that he cannot cover the growing sexual harassment scandal surrounding his brother, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Chris Cuomo, who repeatedly welcomed his relative on air for chummy interviews in the early months of the coronavirus pandemic, told viewers that he was aware of his uh, the goings-on with my brother, and this is a quote, and obviously I cannot cover it because he's my brother. Okay. This is a continued. Uh, now, of course, CNN has to cover it, he continued. They, they have covered it extensively and will continue to do so. I have always carried, 
cared very deeply about these issues, and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that. Anyway, Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo made his remarks moments after the New York Times reported that a third woman has accused Andrew Cuomo of making unwanted advances at a 2019 wedding. The accusation follows claims by two former staffers last week that the governor had sexually harassed them. After his brief statement, Cuomo swiftly moved on and he called to what he called, quote, a lot of news going on that matters also. Uh, journalists from across the political spectrum blasted the CNN anchor. Quote, that makes sense, New York Times uh, correspondent Annie Carney uh, reacted. Quote, we never made sense. What, what never made sense to me was Chris Cuomo covering him when things were going well for Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> Quote, this is a cop out. He covered, his he covered his brother when it was good news. He should do it when it's bad news. Daily Caller report, uh, reporter Chuck Ross said. Quote, he can cover his brother when he thinks it's good news, but not now. You get the whole idea. <laughs> so as you may or may not know, like all these reports are coming out, suddenly, now that Biden's in office, all of these, all of these incidents that happened start coming out of the woodwork. Oh, sexual harassment claims. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, at first it was about, oh, oh Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo sent like 13,000 people or something like that to die in nursing homes. You know, in New York, that news started breaking. All of a sudden, three chicks coming out saying, oh, sexual harassment, sexual harassment. And that's getting the majority of the press coverage, not the dead people. Dead people tell no tales, right? Now, let me ask you what's worst, three sexually harassed women or 13,000 dead people? Consider that in your own ethical standards. So, I mean, and I think, I think that he is rightly being blasted. Because I think that since Biden has taken office, I think that the liberal media all of a sudden has nothing but flowery things to say about the, about the president. They don't even remotely challenge Biden <laughs> the way that they've challenged Trump. I think their bias, their bias is showing so clearly that if you don't understand the difference, the way the media <laughs> treats the president when Trump was in office as, as it is now with Biden. like And where's Biden been? Where has he been? <laughs> Every time he's on TV, he's screwing up. I watch his education. That guy has ne never-ending material. <laughs> never-ending material to make clips of Biden gaffes. So you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> the bias is obvious, and if you can't see it, I, you're really, really dumb, and you're probably not even listening to this podcast because you're like, he's using big words like pareidolia. <laughs> All right, I got two more stories for we'll call it a night. All right. Family scolded for setting up camp on a cliff's edge. <laughs> they had no idea what kind of extreme danger they were in. A family in England has been chided by local authorities for foolishing, foolishly setting up camp on the edge of a cliff. On Saturday, the Stathies Coast Guard, forgive me if I mispronounced that wrong, England, uh, Coast Guard scolded a family of three for pitching their tent on the Cleveland Way in North Yorkshire. The trio was just inches away from a 280-foot drop in an area known for landslides, the BBC reports. You know, plus a gust of wind. Anyway, um, <laughs> quote, a concerned, quote, quote, unquote, concerned member of the uh, public phoned in a disaster waiting uh, to happen around lunchtime. Uh, the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency wrote on Facebook. From there, the, the Stathies, and Whitby Coast Guards responded to the scene, discovering two adults and a child in the tent. Quote, the family were in an extremely perilous position, had no idea of the extreme danger they were in, said Adam Turner, Senior Coastal Operations Officer for the HM Coast Guard. 
Quote, cliff edges are really unstable and easily collapse, as recent landslips in the area have shown. Uh, the 27-year-old woman and 30-year-old man have also been fined for breaching coronavirus lockdown rules to go camping. Camping, jeez, according, according to the BBC. The campers traveled uh, from Don Doncaster to and Middlesburg. Bro. <laughs> England, what is this, Middle Earth? Just give me the fucking airport. Anyway, from Doncaster to Middlesbrough, forgive me, England, uh, which are about 45 minutes and two hours from Cleveland, Cleveland Way, respectively. North Yorkshire police called it completely irresponsible to pitch a tent so close to the cliff's edge and a clear breach of COVID-19, you know. The real dangerous, <laughs> flying off a cliff. Uh, not only, this is a quote, not only were the individuals involved risking their own safety and the safety of a child who was with them, if a landslide had occurred, but they're also going to risk their lives at emergency services who attend, yeah, emergency services who would have, yeah, <laughs> who would have uh, attended the resulting incident. That's a hell of a point. For local, uh, for area locals permitted to, uh, to explore North Yorkshire under current uh, COVID-19 lockdown restrictions, Turner urged caution around the cliffs. Keep to pass and stay well from the cliff edge. Check the weather and tides before you head out. Wear appropriate sturdy footwear and take charge mobile phones. So if the worst should happen, you can call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard, he said in a statement. Yeah, so, I mean, you can see pictures of this if you want to go look for it. But, I mean, they are, like, right on the edge of the cliff. I mean, it is the dumbest place. The dumbest place to camp. And if you've ever been camping, it's like, you know. You know. And it's like, not only could you wander out of the tent in the middle of the night, <laughs> step off a cliff, but, I mean, you could, uh... <laughs> <laughs> one good gust of wind. One good gust of wind. On the edge of a cliff, winds are real, really high. Really high. Anyway, one more story. All right, so Florida teacher praises Good Samaritan who returned to missing wallet. An eighth grade teacher in Florida got a call this week she wasn't expecting. It was the Good Samaritan who hand-delivered her wallet to her after she dropped it in a Walmart parking lot, parking lot last weekend. I was like, did I dream this or what? Deborah Glover Crosby told Fox News. I'm sorry, it's just the quote. That's just, I was like, did I dream this or what? <laughs> For several days, uh, Deborah Glover Crosby uh, has been trying to track down her hero to properly thank him for this kind gesture. Uh, Glover Crosby said she was shopping in the checkout line near the Jacksonville store last weekend when she noticed her wallet wasn't there. I was in panic mode, she said. I was in panic mode, she said. To make matters worse, Glover Crosby said her husband was out of town and, he had, and she, she had very minimal cash on hand to carry her through until he got back. When, he got home, when she got home, she was astounded to find her wallet waiting for her right by the front door. Footage from uh, Glover Crosby's home security camera which she later posted to Facebook, showed the Good Samaritan trying to deliver her wallet personally. Hey, this is a quote. Hey, how you doing? I found your wallet at Walmart, the man said to the camera after no one answered the door. I'm going to put it here by the Amazon boxes, he continued. It was something that Cl Glover Crosby never expected. That is above and beyond, she said. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get the voice out of my head. Uh, I, I probably would have had to turn it into customer service or something. <laughs> but I never would have had... Uh, thought to drive it all the way to the person it belonged to. This is if she had found a wallet. Uh, when Glover Crosby asked why, she had, why he had gone to such lengths, he said that's the way he, uh, he was raised. Glover Crosby said it was a perfect story to tell her students uh, on that weekly, what, what would you do Fridays? 
It is modeled after the ABC series of the same name, which creates scenarios often of a conflicting nature to see how people react when no one is watching. The store records, the, sh the store records <laughs> their reactions on hidden camera. Uh, this past weekend reminded Glover Crosby that people are naturally good, she said. It's something she still, she hopes to instill in her students, especially during the pandemic. I don't know why you got to bring the pandemic into this. Okay. Uh, quote, when there's so much negativity happening, we have to focus on positive things to lift our spirits. That is correct, ma'am. Yes. She went on to say, we can choose to focus on the negatives, but I choose to focus on the positive, and that's how I get my days. So, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> now there's a lot I can read into this story. Just as, just as, like, uh, what's that called? Professor Logic from the University of Logic? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just from, all right, eighth grade teacher. Here's, here's what my detective work picks up from this article. She's an eighth grade teacher. Her last name is Glover Crosby, meaning, she, meaning she's probably a progressive woman. She's like, I'm not, give, I'm not taking your name. And, like, and their compromise was, let's combine our names. So she's obviously a progressive eighth grade teacher. She does, has, you know, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do Fridays uh, in eighth grade? And some guy returned her wallet, and she, you know, be, being a. <laughs> dyed-in-the-wool liberal that she probably is, she never expected somebody to do the right thing. Because that's, that's the kind of world they see. They think the world is filled with assholes. They don't realize that you're, you're the asshole. <laughs> but the point is, it's just like her quote here at the end. It's just like her quote here at the end. When there's so much negativity happening, we have to focus on the positive things to lift our spirits. That's her quote. Now, as much as I can infer that I probably dislike this woman based upon what I know about this article. She is absolutely right in that regard. I may have differences with her, but if I find her wallet in the parking lot, you can't read, look at somebody's wallet necessarily and say, oh, Democrat or Republican, you know, unless there's a voting card right above, right behind the license. <laughs> but even then, it doesn't really matter. You know, you do the right thing, even if it's Democrat or Republican, no matter what. All right. You do the right thing. And we can choose to focus on the negatives, but I choose to focus on the positive, and that's how I get through my days. That's her choice. You know, that's her quote and her choice. Absolutely. And that's what you have to choose. And that's why I like to end my show with a more positive and upbeat story so that you can, you know, take that with you as you move on to whatever you're watching next or whatever else you're doing today. You know, you got to remember the positive things. you got to focus on it for yourself because it's easy for you to sit here and get mad at Alyssa Milana and Rosanna Arquette you know, wondering why Toto he wrote such a song. And it's like, that's a great song for such a horribly, horrible, ugly woman. You know, <laughs> it's like, you can sit there and focus on, like, I don't understand why Rosanna Arquette is attractive. But instead, you could say, hey, you know, Pulp Fiction is a really good movie. You know, focus on the positive. And that's just how I like to get through life. And that's probably how this woman gets through life. And based upon what I could glean from this article is that we have a vast world of difference in our social and political views between me and this woman. But I do agree with her on, in this regard. Focus on the positive. So this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman. I want to remind you. I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Please give me money. We want a gift. But only if it's money. Or go to sh uh, hashtag shockmonkeyradio <laughs> on the cash app. The motherfucking cash app. <laughs> hashtag shockmonkeyradio. Please send me money help keep me in business. I would appreciate it very much. And if you want to send me an email, madmanfxbgpr.com, and I can include you in the mailbag one of these days. I would appreciate that very much. Anyway, so this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. 
and I love you.